Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. I'm here with two of our YPT regular contributors, Joseph Bradley and Nick Hartman. How are you guys doing? Doing well, man. We are, uh, you know, another day, another uh, dime, as I say, youth ministry, because we don't make dollars, um, you know, <laughs> uh, but we're doing well. It's uh, fall, and that's always a busy time in student ministry. Yeah, yeah. Echo that. It is, uh, it's the crazy time of the year, but excited to be back on the podcast. Awesome. So, um, Nick is the Associate Pastor of Students and Discipleship at Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Cross Plains, Tennessee, and Joseph is the Student Pastor at Second Baptist Church of Arkadelphia in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. So, um, you can read a bunch of their articles on the site, and in this episode, we're talking about... um, Questions that prompt deeper conversations. Nick, you wrote a really good article about this topic uh, um, around in August of last year, actually. I think it was, it was an older one, um, but it, it's a good one. So we'll link it in the show notes because that's a really helpful uh, article. But questions are so important uh, in student ministries and, and, uh, and prompting meaningful conversations. And so that's going to be the topic for this episode. Uh, but before we dive into the topic, I, I have a question for you guys about your dream job as a teenager. I think this is always a helpful glimpse into uh, understanding people. So if you could understand them as teenagers and you meet them as an adult, um, oftentimes you'll realize, yeah, that's still more or less the same person in there. <laughs> so uh, who were you? Uh, as a teenager, what was your dream job? Nick, why don't you go first? Yeah, um, I wanted to go into politics. You know, I wanted to do the state representative job, then work my way up, you know, governor, senator, kind of all of that. Um, it was, I don't know, part of it was like, hey, I liked public speaking. I liked meeting people. I liked advocating for people. So then God was like, hey, here's what you're going to do, and used all of those um, passions and pursuits for ministry and teaching and serving the church, um, using redeeming that for His glory. So politics was going to be what I was going to do um, kind of all the way, and uh, I am so thankful that God directed me elsewhere. You know, I will say, though, Hartman is a strong name for, like— Governor Hartman, Three. vote for Senator Hartman. Like, like that's yep. that's that's a strong that's a strong. I aim. mean, I've made many a campaign posters for you know student body president <laughs> for kind of all of those things. I was the I was the political guy in high school, and uh, what was your best slogan? Oh man, um, the best one was when I was in fifth grade and ran for vice president, and it was just pick Nick. Ooh, um, ooh, that's good. It that's was bad. a, it was, 
thank you, Marjorie Hartman, my mother, for coming up with that. She made me sing a song. It was awesome. Uh, do we get to uh, hear it? You know, no. It, uh, <laughs> 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 We're going to need a longer podcast for that one. You thought about oh, it for man. a second. You thought about it for a second. All right, yeah. Joseph, you're, uh, what was your dream job as a teenager? <laughs> I would just like to and add was, next, And that, was there a theme song to go along with it? There, okay, not a not a theme song necessarily. No, uh, it's kind of funny because I feel like I have gone through multiple like total transformations over the course of my life and complete direction changes. Uh, I My dream job was to be an NBA basketball player. So that was still legitimate in high school. I was working toward college basketball, and, and that was pretty much my singular focus. Um, in the back of my mind, though, uh, being a comedian actually was was a... When I started thinking actual jobs, I started going comedian. And by the time I got to the end of high school, I was planning on ignoring all of my hopes and dreams and going and being a doctor. That was, <laughs> that was my... I applied to Mercer University, which had a good med program, was accepted, was going to go pre-med. And uh, thankfully, right before... I uh, I started college. God kind of said, nope, that's the wrong thing. And uh, completely, I changed schools, degree programs, whole life directions in like wow. a month. So, yeah. That's wild. So it, it, it has been, there's two or three of those kind of wild changes in my life over the years. So nice. It's funny because he's not funny, so funny. So, you know, he would have bombed at comedy. Uh, you know. I was well, I was gonna say it makes sense that you wanted to be in politics because that explains your obsessive desire to network with people that you don't even know. Hey, I like people. <laughs> All right. So for our listeners listening in, um, the the playful banter here is um, you guys are both married and your wives are cousins. Uh, yes. So so joseph and nick no we actually have known just each don't other like for each other mike just put us on quite a while. <laughs> no. so that's some of the background yeah um this is this, so this is, is the edgy is a, a podcast group. That's yeah what it is. yeah yeah on ypt unhinged <laughs> right here um so yeah so when when we were talking about different uh issues and, and whatever that we want to have some um podcast episodes about uh um, Nick, you suggested uh, one about asking questions that prompt deeper conversations. And here's one of the reasons why I think that's such a valuable and important issue for youth pastor theologians to talk about. Um, because sometimes we prepare a message and then we send groups into small groups, or we're teaching a Sunday school class and we're teaching. And we're teaching, and we're teaching, and surely everything we're saying is so brilliant and insightful. It's just incredible. Kids are just hanging on every word, and they're thinking, wow, please, teach me more. Teach me more. Teach me more. And then we hit this roadblock because we spent so much time preparing our message. We think, surely, I have so much wisdom in my tank. I'll be able to come up with good discussion questions on the fly. And then you ask a question and it bombs. So then you reword the question and it bombs. <laughs> and then you ask another question and kids have already learned these discussion questions stink. I'm not answering that one first. I don't even know how to answer that question. 
So then the discussion time is an absolute train wreck. And you drive home at the end of the night thinking youth group was horrible. Right? Has this happened to anyone else or is this just me? Uh, yeah, I've been there several times, you know, where you're like, man, these are the best questions I could ever write in my entire life. There's going to be like hours of conversation and then you get two minutes um, and that's it. And you're like, oh, see, but this is assuming that you're actually writing questions. Like there was a se- there was mm-hmm. a season in ministry. I'm not going to lie. I thought that writing questions was beneath me because, well, I mean. I'm like teaching the theology stuff. I did all my exegesis. Surely, like I did all this work. Like I can kind of, I can come up with a question. Just sit and listen, right? right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, it's a if it's a small ministry or if it's a smaller group or whatever, you think oh, there's only like six or seven kids. Yeah, I could do oh, that. Yeah. Um. So I just, I, I want, I think that there are that happens more than most of us would care to admit. And so I'm just giving any listeners who are listening in um, freedom to say, yes, this happens. Um, sometimes our discussion, our youth group time crashes and burns and does not go well because we didn't prepare the discussion well, right? So we prepared the message, but we did not plan the discussion and so I just I, I try to encourage youth workers um, to spend a third of their prep time prepping the discussion. Don't just study for the teaching um, and then wing the discussion. You got to plan the discussion first. So um, so Nick, what what advice do you have for us on what makes for a good discussion question? Yeah. I mean, when you're thinking about questions and you're thinking about, hey, what do I want the students to get after? You know, there's different approaches, there's different philosophies, there's different things that, um, you know, you can take. And I think there's some really good things. But one of the things that I think about is, you know, how, and, and there's all sorts of different areas, right? So if you're just in general asking a good discussion question, is it open-ended enough that the students can think about it and then process it and respond? But is it directionally pointed enough that you're like, okay, we're going to get to a point where my leaders and or myself or whoever's leading discussion can say, yeah, we see the end goal, right? And so as you're crafting those discussions, you kind of have to strike the balance of open-endedness to so it's not just like, um, what is David doing in this story? You know, oh, well, yeah, we, you know, we can pick and pull, but more of like, you know, how are you seeing David's thoughts behind what is being, you know, what is the author filling in, for example? Um, so yeah, I think being able to craft something that said that you, not just you can see the end result, but that other people can see the end results based off of whatever you're teaching or talking through at that point. Yeah, that's good. Joseph, any thoughts? Yeah, I uh, I think that uh, kind of on that same note, knowing where you want to end up ha- has got to be number one. You got to have your purpose before you start writing them. Um, but then also, if it's something where, and I've done it before, where you have a handful of questions, it is getting to where they connect and continue to lead somewhere. So your first one may be much more 
broad, maybe, you know, that kind of intro, get them to start thinking about the concept, and then it may narrow as you go. And I think that's something that, especially when you're writing it for leaders, when it's not just you leading the discussion, that helps a lot because you're you're building a case as you write the questions. And so the leaders are helping the students to start thinking in a particular direction that will end up hopefully at that key idea that you're hoping to get across. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Um, So Nick, I want to go back to something you said about open-ended questions. So could you, uh, what is and what do you mean by open-ended questions? And what is a closed-ended question? So could you maybe give an example or two of each? Yeah. Um, so open-ended questions are questions that allow room for uh, thoughtful response in the sense that, like, the answer is not right in front of them, right? So as you're, as you're thinking about teaching strategies and you're thinking about, man, what do I want to get out of somebody? It was like, you can... A closed-ended question is something that they can find either by reading the text, by listening, by navigating, and it's like I can. I, it's almost like a copy and paste question. Can I find this in the text, and is it there? An open-ended question is like, man, there's some room for thought. There's some room for um, personal dialogue. There's some room for maybe connection to previous lessons um, that you're really Mm -hmm. trying to get students to get at. So an open-ended question would be something like, um, if you're teaching on, right right now we're teaching a series on Daniel, um, and you're looking at, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting thrown into the furnace. Um, An open-ended question in that would be, you know, how do you you think Daniel, or or how do you think Daniel's friends felt um, when they when they were told to bow down to this idol, knowing the consequences that were to come, right? So then you put them into kind of that situation or, you know, in what ways does this um, decision by Daniel's friends um, point to their trust in God, right? And so, Mm -hmm. okay, yeah, uh, you know, not bowing down does this, but you really kind of have to dig a little bit deeper. Whereas a closed-ended question would be like, um, why, why did Daniel's friends get thrown into the fire? Well, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar told them to bow to this idol and they didn't, you know, so it, it, uh, which is still a good question, but it's, it's, what do you want? What's the purpose behind what you're trying to ask and what are you trying to get to, right? If you really want yeah. students to, to, to participate in the heart deep, head, heart, hands of learning, they're going to have to wrestle with some of those different things, Mm -hmm. things like heart and related to emotions or feelings, heads like, oh, wait, hold on, what would I do in maybe a similar situation? Um, And the hands being like, what's that practical application? Um, Or even like, how do I think through this um, as it relates to how God reveals himself. So there's a whole bunch of different ways. Um, but yeah, those open-ended questions are going to lead to students wrestling with things more. Yeah. So, and that's not to say that closed-ended questions are bad. Absolutely right? not. But, no, but yeah. if, if all we ask is close, uh, closed-ended question after closed-ended question after closed-ended question, then there's really no discussion. You're, we're just drilling kids on the text but if all we're doing is asking open-ended questions, then we're not really getting them into the text that we're teaching. 
Absolutely. Right? So mm-hmm. it, I think it's like even using your, um, you know, um, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and um, Rakshak and Benny, you know. So it's like, how do we ask a closed-ended question to set up a good open-ended question? Mm-hmm. Like, even as you were talking, what came to my mind would be something like, um, what do you think, what was what was the furnace there for in the beginning anyways? Like, why was it even there? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know, they used the furnace to fire the clay to build the idol that everyone was supposed to bow down to. Okay, open-ended question. Discuss, like, think about the irony that the very furnace that was intended to create the idol that everyone was supposed to bow down to is now the altar where the pre-incarnate Christ is showing up and rescuing God's people. Right. Like, discuss that irony, right? So, like, you can use the closed-ended questions to then set up really good open-ended questions that are thought-provoking. Yeah. Right? And you can kind of find a middle ground with even the story like that. Like, who do you think this fourth man is? Right? right. That you can, you know, and then you can dive into kind of the conversation about, oh, wow, this, yeah. is, this is the pre-incarnate Christ, you know, walking with. Yeah. And how do we know that? You know, you look at those context clues. And you yeah. do that with a whole bunch of different stories. Mm-hmm. That allows you to to, to, to dive into some of those deeper theology topics, right? Like going, let's go back to Genesis 12 with Abraham's call or Abram's call, right? Like who's this, who is this man um, or, or Genesis 15 with uh, the King of Salem, you know, uh, yeah. Melchizedek. And, and we get the introduction to some of those things. As you're thinking through what you're teaching, I think some of those questions are going to allow you to connect the story across um scripture right that, that w- what we want to do is connect it to christ so yeah 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 uh so what are some lessons you've learned the hard way about asking good questions because that's yeah. usually how we learn right we learn yeah. how to ask good questions by asking a lot of really terrible questions <laughs> that's true so, i mean i think yeah, what, have you learned the, what have you learned the hard way um you know you i i've learned questions that are too big like hey this sounds like a great question on paper but if a seminary student can't answer it then your sixth graders can't answer it right um and so questions that are too big that go over their heads that have big words in them that are that are trying to let them wrestle with concepts that have good intentions but they end up just like missing they're like and students are like i don't know how to answer this um we've had some of those and, you know, those questions are, are often kind of the temptation that you end up with with more open-ended questions. Or, yeah. you know, kind of this, this long-standing youth ministry concept of teaching to the lowest common denominator in your room, and then you lose your, your, your 10th, 11th, and 12th graders because you're asking two simple questions, right? And so... Um, I've found both of those with different areas. I tend to—my my biggest struggle has been with the ones that are too big and having to bring them down a little bit. Um, so I've had a lot of times where I've lost students in the conversation because we're talking about, you know— um, some something related to apologetics, and, and I'm asking questions like, what would you do if you— 
had uh, somebody ask you this question, and, and maybe it's related to other religions and other worldviews, and they're like, I have no clue because you haven't taught me it well enough, or you haven't right. brought it forth well enough. So um, those are kind of the two that I've really struggled with, is, is too big and too small. Um, mm-hmm. And and that's that's a hard lesson you have to learn. If you, if mm. you get blank stares in the room, you've asked questions too big. And if you get, you know, only your sixth graders answering, you probably ask questions that are too, too small. So, uh, Joseph, any thoughts? Yeah, I was going to say one of the things that I have learned the hard way because I, I gravitate toward those more apologetic questions is it requires me to study a lot better. And, And when it comes to actually crafting the lessons as a whole, when it comes to just what I'm reading on the side as I'm learning as a pastor, um, it, it does have a certain amount of accountability attached to it, where if you're trying to get your students to think deeper and you haven't thought deeper, they see that. And if you have like, I've done Q and a nights before, right? We, we've all done the, the dreaded, write your question down on paper and then we'll <laughs> read it out. Um, and you have questions where people ask some really deep stuff and you go, Oh, I don't even know that I can answer that. And so we, you know, I, I, I will admit that early on I had a Q&A night where I I weaseled my way out of a question because I didn't have the answer. It was it was kind of an obscure question, but it was a good one. And so yeah, it, it definitely puts the burden on the 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 leader in order to say, "Hey, have I studied and thought this through enough to mm-hmm. where I can give a really good concise answer?" Because if I can't do it, yeah. then they're definitely not going to be able to. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the question itself is just so vague and so big that it's just like, yeah, like I'm asking this question. And as I ask it, I'm thinking, I don't even know how I would begin to answer this question. And sometimes when that happens, it's good not to just move on from that, but to acknowledge, like, you know, I'm going to be honest, that was a bad question. I don't even know how I would begin to answer that. and Because yeah. uh, otherwise, they're going to feel like they're letting you down mm-hmm. by not answering. Um, and that you're moving on because you're ashamed of them, because they're not sharp enough to an- Instead, sometimes... Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, yeah, that was a bad question, guys. Sorry. Like, that... I don't know how I would begin. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, <laughs> just to speak to that a yeah. little bit more, it's like... Sometimes, you know, we get so well-read and so well-rounded, and and we put in that hard research for our lessons and our sermons that it is kind of like, wait, yeah, they haven't done this. You know, they haven't done the research. Mm -hmm. I've been doing the research. And so you do have to think, man, am I asking this question for myself or am I asking this question because it it could be found just by what the students have in front of them? Um, cause if we're not, you know, and some of, sometimes that does take a posture of humility and saying like, okay, I, I know that I'm reading. I know that I'm smart. I know that the Lord has provided his spirit to guide me in crafting these things. But sometimes I let myself think too big or mm-hmm. too small. And it's like, guys, yeah. I kind of let you down, you know? Um, cause that, that, I mean, when we ask questions, we got to be real too. Um, yeah. you know, we, we have to avoid the, the constant, desire to just be practical, but, you know, we do have to be real in, in, in asking those. Cause I think you'll get a better response when you are real yeah. in asking questions. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Um, so let's talk about application a little bit. Um, 
what what advice do you have for youth workers um, when it comes to crafting application questions? Uh, not just you know looking at the text or making sure that they actually understood the message type of questions, but when it comes to do with helping students really wrestle and grapple with what it means um, to put this scripture into action and to apply the gospel to their real lives. Um, how do we how do we write and think through good and helpful application questions? I think the first thing is we have to avoid any desire to read into the text something that's not there. Right? We have to avoid any sort of, you know, we have to be clear about our 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 final point. Joseph mentioned that earlier. Like what is the so before you ever write a question, I'd say you need to find What's the central theme of your uh, lesson for that day? Um, and if the question doesn't point to Jesus or doesn't point to your central theme, then it's probably not a great question to ask because we do have limited time. You can't ask 19 questions in, you know, uh, 10 or 15 minutes of small group discussion. So as far as the application and practical practicality goes, like we have to be very careful about avoiding um, eisegesis, reading ourselves yeah. in the story, and be faithful to the text. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think that there is a talking about um, questions that lead somewhere. Something that we've been doing recently in in our ministry uh, that I actually got from uh, Tim McKnight's book, uh, Engaging Generation Z: The Seven Arrows Method, where you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have some of those, it starts very broad and is just, what does the passage say? And by the end of it, it gets into questions like, you know, what is this demand of me? You know, how do I see myself and maybe some of my sin in this passage? You get to, how does it help me to relate to others? And then how should I pray because of those things? And so I think there's an element of, you've got to spend a good portion of the time helping them understand the key concepts of the text itself But then once you get through that, you have to start addressing it inwardly and saying, okay, so how does this passage address something in my life? How does it help me to be moved, whether that's to, you know, reconcile with with a Christian or how does it compel me toward a non-Christian? And then you have to address talking about that, that inward, okay, now that I understand in my head how can I be praying that God would motivate me inside? And, and I think that's a helpful yeah. framework that they provide. Um, I, I, I have used that recently. It has helped with that, uh, the clog up problem with questions where you just have some that are just, because having the same questions for high schoolers and middle schoolers is also difficult. And so having questions that are more like that, it tailors it to where everybody can address it. And, and it strikes a good balance. So I think, yeah, is learning to move from, okay, yeah, the passage itself obviously says this, these are the key ideas. How do those concepts then motivate me to live differently, I think is, is where the distinction lies there. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. And I think the seven arrows method is a really, really helpful method of Bible study um, that, yeah, we should probably do a podcast on that. Um, it's a good one. That, that would be really good. So. Uh, one thing that that I've learned um, and, and do a lot 
uh, when I'm leading, you know, Sunday school and, and small groups and stuff, is I'll encourage students um, in talking about like a hypothetical peer. So if we're talking about a scripture passage and there's an application that might be difficult for them to put into action. Mm. So say it's something about um, evangelism or temptation or something. And if I ask a question of like, what would it look like for you to, to grow in this? And they feel like, well, if I, if I give an answer, I'm either going to out myself on something or I'm going to set myself up as a hypocrite and I'm going to give an answer that I know I'm not going to do. So I know I'm not going to do this, but this is the answer. So, um, I'm just not going to answer because I don't want to be hypocrite. Right. So sometimes that, that, that's what happens. Uh, so asking like, what would, what would a Christian teenager do this? Or imagine, imagine Bill, Bill goes to school at your school. What are some things that Bill might struggle with in putting this into action or something Mm -hmm. like that? So that way you're, you're inviting them, you're creating some personal distance between them and Bill, but they're still applying it to Bill Mm. thinking about themselves, but they're not outing themselves. They're not putting themselves in a hypocritical space or it's just a little bit more objective while still inviting them to, to reflect on kind of the, the personal application side of things for them. So, yeah. And you can use different mediums for that too. You know, written questions, response, different, different avenues, whether that be even like their phone or things like that. Yeah. So, Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Any, um, any final comments or insights about about question asking that you want to share before we wrap up this episode? I, I think one one thing that I would mention is there is also, like with most things, there is a two-sided uh, nature of questions, especially in student ministry, is you have the kinds of questions that are asking your your Christian students to think deeper about what they already know. And then there's the evangelistic questions that maybe are leaned toward more Hey, have you ever thought this and and kind of engaging students that may be new or don't have a church background that could then bring them into that truth of the story that you're communicating? And so I think that also, whether it's more apologetic questions or whether it's just more personal, like, hey, have you ever felt this before? I think questions provide a easier way to bridge the gap between where our students are currently at and where we want to get them. And so I think asking more questions is helpful. And even in your personal interactions with students, I've, I've done that before where like in car rides to and from events, you know, they'll bring up something and I'll just say, Hey, I'm going to capitalize on this opportunity. What do y'all think about this and get their opinions? And then you can kind of guide it at that point. Um, Because I think the, the point of questions is to get students to share more about either struggles and doubts that they have or maybe misconceptions they've had about some of the teaching. It can be a real easy gauge of where your students at or at. So uh, yeah, I think it's asking questions in general is helpful for both sides of the coin is we want to compel yeah. our Christian students to think deeper. We also want to help on the evangelistic side, bring students closer yeah. to where we want them to be. Yeah, that's so good. Well, Nick, Joseph, thank you so much for your friendship. Thanks for everything you share. 
with Youth Pastor Theologian and for this conversation. Well, thanks for joining us for this conversation. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.